Welcome to the Sweet Spot, sponsored by Pinch a Penny Pool Patio and Spa. I'm your host, Corey Bradley. What a weekend we have before us in the college football world, specifically in the state of Alabama, with the number one Crimson Tide taking on the number 11 Florida Gators in Gainesville at 2.30 on CBS. You know, anytime these two schools meet, it's going to be one of the more anticipated matchups for that weekend and even for the season, because anytime these two schools, Florida, Alabama, meet in the regular season, that's the game that both schools are circled because they don't get a chance to play each other that often. They're cross-division rivals, uh, so a lot of times if they meet, it comes in the SEC championship game. So here they are, third game of the season for both teams. Alabama beat Miami in their opener, then they beat Mercer last week. Florida beat Florida Atlantic in their season opener, and then they beat South Florida last weekend. So we all know all odds are going to be on that matchup between the Florida Gators and the Alabama Crimson Tide. Now, that's not the only game with extremely high importance here in the state of Alabama. We have the number 22 Auburn Tigers taking on the number 10 Penn State Nittany Lions. Penn State will have their whiteout game come Saturday night, 6.30 on ABC. That's going to be a fun environment, a rocking experience for those in attendance and for those watching at home as well. Like This is a matchup with two programs looking to prove a lot of doubters wrong. We have Brian Harson in his first year as the head coach of the Auburn Tigers looking for his first signature win, not only in a non-conference game, where you're going against a high-profile school, but this is a top-10 high-profile school. So the Auburn Tigers have a lot to prove. James Franklin, on the other hand, head, head coach of the Penn State Nittany Lions, is looking for uh, signature wins as well. You know, he's been at Penn State for a few years, haven't had many, you know, successful runs against ranked opponents. So. He's looking to quiet the fans, the doubters even. You know, there's a lot of talk that's going on in the Penn State community as far as James Franklin and his inability to win big games so far in his tenure. So uh, we know he's looking to get a huge win this weekend. That would give the Nittany Lions some much-needed momentum as they go through this 2021 regular season campaign. Now... As we dive into this matchup, Auburn and Penn State, you're about to hear from Jake Everidge from Athens, Alabama, as he shares his thoughts on this early season contest between the number 22 Auburn Tigers and the number 10 Nittany Lions. Jake, welcome back to the Sweet Spot, man. How are you doing? I'm good, Corey. How are you doing, man? Doing good, man. You know, you got Auburn-Penn State this weekend. Number 22, Auburn going to number 10, Penn State, the Nittany Lions, man. But uh, before we dive into that game, give me your early thoughts on Coach Brian Harson, man. What's been your your thoughts on uh, the new first-year head coach? You know, I think this weekend is is the most exciting, you know, part of what's happened so far. So you kind of get a chance this weekend to see – how his team and how he responds in in the face of adversity because they really haven't faced much of that yet Mm -hmm. uh and but i do like what i've seen i would say it's it's still very early though um i i I like you know 
seems to be a very no nonsense, very straightforward, uh, let's get things done type of mentality. So yeah, I, I, I definitely like what he's done. Uh, I think he cut some guys loose, uh, in the spring and the summer that, that probably needed to go. That probably weren't in the best place attitude wise, you know, didn't really jive with what he was trying to do. So I, I think he has the players believing just from, you know, what I've heard and seen out of the locker room. Uh, the players sure seem to to really take after him. So I'm excited to see how they handle adversity this weekend on the road because I think that'll be a, a a real telling sign of of, of how this team is, is going to respond throughout the year. Now, are you at all concerned with, okay, 60 to 10 Akron, you beat Akron the way you're supposed to, and then you follow it up, Beating Alabama State sixty-two to zero, you know there's some doubters out there. Like, okay, Auburn hasn't been tested yet, and here they are all of a sudden going into number ten Penn State on the road on a Saturday evening. That's going to be rocking. Are you concerned about just the competition level that the Tigers haven't faced yet? Um, what's your concerns there? Sure, it's a concern because it's always a, a guessing game when you open up the season uh, with teams like that. I mean, they're Auburn's averaging like 340 yards rushing a game. You know, that's obviously not you know a realistic number going into the the strength of schedule that they're about to play. But honestly, that's they've done as well as they could do. You know, up to this point, with the exception of the first half of the Alabama State game. Um, with penalties and some some mental mistakes, mm-hmm. I thought the Akron game was 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 really clean from a mental mistake standpoint. Uh, but then we kind of reverted back to uh, you know some of the the mistakes we've seen in the past. Um, but they still managed to you know if you look at the scoreboard, it's sixty two to nothing. So yeah, uh, it's nice to walk away from some mental mistakes and still win 62 to zero. But yeah, you, you do, you are concerned about the level of competition because it's always a guessing game when you go into a game like this. Well, are they ready? Have they seen what they need to see? Have they, have they, you know, gotten tested uh, enough? And the, the answer is this team hasn't been tested. Uh, it'll be their first test. And like I said, I'm excited to see how they respond because I think they've handled business as well as they could to this point. Uh, you know, with with a few limited exceptions, but I'm excited to see how they respond on the road because this will be a, a a really good window into what they might be able to do on the road in the SEC later on down the road this season. Now, speak on quarterback Bo Nix. I mean, this is a guy that's five and seven on the road. Twelve of his thirteen interceptions have come on the road as well, away from Jordan Hare Stadium. Are you confident? In the third-year quarterback, uh, yeah, actually, I am. I he, this system that Bobo has has set up and Harson has kind of put together, they, it presents a lot more in the way of of, of safety outlets and opportunities to to find guys that maybe weren't there in the last system he was in. Um, I I think you know he has multiple reads. He has the opportunity to change plays. Uh, whereas he wasn't doing a whole lot of that before. Um, that was really kind of limited to to what call he got from the sideline. So I I truly believe it. I, I think, you know, he kind of showed that a little bit in the Akron game where, you know, he went to his second or third read uh, and, and found guys that were open. 
Um, and I think he looks better, you know, coming out under center. Uh, you know, certainly, I I think having that offense being based on that that stretch play when you got Tank or Shivers or even uh, yeah. yeah Hunter in the backfield. Uh, that's that's those are dangerous, and that opens things up for for Bo as well. So I really like the system he's in, and and I like. Uh, so far outside of the drops from the first half last week, which he can't do a ton about. Um, but I think he's been, he's been pretty much on par with where he needs to be put the ball in danger a little bit more than I wanted to see last week. Uh, there was a couple opportunities for interceptions, but, uh, he's played pretty clean so far. And again, like you said, uh, he struggled on the road in the past, and uh, this is his opportunity to kind of put that to bed and uh, take that next step. And you know, if you see him struggle this week on the road, I, you know, I think that's kind of a sign that that that's just kind of where we're at. That's in year three, he's he's still having trouble on the road. So I hope uh, he's able to put that away, and 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 we're able to move on from that. Now talk talk about. Head coach James Franklin, we know he spent a few years at Vanderbilt. He has experience going through SEC-level competition. What are your thoughts on a James Franklin-led Penn uh, Penn State team? Are you concerned of a James Franklin-led team, or is it more of a, you know, we can beat this guy. He's overrated. What are your thoughts on him as a head coach? Um, I've always liked him as a head coach. I think – when it comes to somebody that promotes the program, um, you know, somebody that they can get guys fired up, uh, that can, they can have people doing things the right way. What he did at Vanderbilt was no small feat. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, it, <laughs> you, you can, you can ask them right now if they would take James Franklin back. And I think <laughs> but I think what's interesting though, is, is the honeymoon period's kind of over with Penn state. Uh, you know, last year was a rough year for them. Um, it, it was kind of strange on everyone with yeah, COVID. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, they had that terrible start to the season, and then you know really turned it around towards the end. And and Clifford, I think what's so interesting about this game is there are so many parallels with with Auburn and Penn State. Yeah, right. Because you got Clifford, who who's who's been loved, who's been hated. Uh, you know, he's had great games. He's had terrible games. <laughs> um, and and Bo Nix the same way. You know, yeah. they've. Both of them got strong running backs. Kane is a good back. He is. Bigsby's a good back. So, uh, you know, and, and the receivers, you know, I, I think Penn State may have the edge, you know, receiving. Um, certainly with experience, they've got the edge. But uh, defensively, I think Auburn's got the edge. So I think it would be a really interesting game. But as far as Franklin goes, it's it's been interesting to me to hear some of the Penn State podcast and stuff talking about how uh you know they want him to take the usc job and uh they're kind of ready for him to be gone i that's not something i kind of anticipated coming into this game but it it really seems like uh james franklin needs this one to to win win back some of their their fans and uh that's not a, that's not really a spot you want to be in so um i'm curious to see how either fan base responds to a win or a loss uh, it'll be kind of interesting um harson certainly you know got some time to work with but 
I, I think Auburn fans will be frustrated with a loss as well. I, I don't think any Auburn fan wants to lose to a, a Big Ten team. That's never a fun thing to do. Man, you know, Auburn has had some interesting matchups against Big Ten teams, you know, uh, specifically in bowl history. You know, Minnesota a couple years ago, you know, you look at – Last one they won against the Big yeah. Ten team, I think it was Penn State. Yeah, Wisconsin, you know, the, we, we, me and you both were in Tampa in the Outback Bowl, uh, you know, that year where Nick Marshall was the quarterback, Daniel Carlson misses the kick off the upright. So there's been some – Northwestern, you go back to Chiswick's first year, Outback Bowl as well, that overtime game. So, yeah, Auburn seems to play – those Big Ten matchups are always classics, uh, whether it's for us or against us. Those seem well, to be some of the uh, interesting matchups for sure. Yeah, and I, I think it's it's interesting how the Big Ten kind of gets cast as like where they're you know bigger, slower. They don't have the speed that the SEC does. But you know what doesn't get talked about is is they do have the size in <laughs> the trenches. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they do have the big guys on the offensive and defensive lines, so they can compete with those teams. And it it all comes down to executing, you know. Whoever goes out there and executes what they're trying to do on Saturday is is going to win. And when you 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 may not match up well with speed, but if you can find a way to leverage, you know, the strengths that you do have, uh, the Big Ten teams, certainly the top echelon Big Ten teams, they have enough in the way of athletes to go with their big guys to to be able to compete with an SEC team. So, um, you know, as much as I like to hate on them, I. I think that's kind of overblown, you know, when you when you hear about well, they can't they can't they don't have the speed to keep up with an SEC team. Uh in in certain areas they may not, but uh they can certainly make up for that in others and if you don't watch out, they'll kick your teeth in. Uh, <laughs> you know, just ask Barry Alvarez about that. <laughs> now Jake, man, before I let you go, man, give me your game prediction. Who wins and why would that team come away? the victor on Saturday night? I knew this was going to be the last question you asked to. <laughs> I, I, I tried to play it out in my mind. And, uh, man, I see, like, 31-24, 31-27, a really, really tight game, uh, and and somebody makes a defensive stop in the end to, to put it away. So I, I think Auburn wins, like, 31-27. Okay. Uh, so that's what I'm going to go with. My man Jake Everett coming through with his Auburn take, a little bit of Penn State knowledge as well. And, uh, man, that's going to be an excellent game. We all know 2.30, you got Bama, Florida, and then 6.30 on ABC, number 22 Auburn takes on number 10 Penn State. The whiteout, as they're calling it. It's going to be a game to watch. I'm super excited to see how it goes down. And, Jake, man, always appreciate you coming through, man. Thank you for your take. Thank you, man. War Eagle. War Eagle. Pinch a Penny Pool, Patio, and Spa is the introduction sponsor for The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley. More than just a full-service pool and supply company, they offer backyard entertainment options like big green eggs, clear light infrared saunas, and patio furniture. Locally owned and operated by Jason and Amy Sharp. Pinch a Penny Pool, Patio, and Spa, 1435 Westgate Parkway in Dothan. Our phone, 334-671-POOL. 
Attorney Kaz Espy is a proud supporter of The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley. Kaz has experience in both federal and state courts regarding a wide range of civil matters. Specializing in bankruptcy, debt resolution, probate, and estate planning, Kaz listens to the concerns of his clients, understanding their individual needs. Attorney Kaz Espy, phone 334-793-6288 or online at espymetcalf.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of legal services performed by other lawyers. Many of us spend more time thinking about what's for dinner than thinking about retirement. But if you think your retirement deserves more attention, I can help. I'm Edward Jones Financial Advisor, Greg Wakefield. Stop by our office at 5630 West Main Street in Dothan. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. Care Animal Center is a local business partner at The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley. Their goal has always been to assemble a team that is dedicated to providing quality veterinary services for their clients' pets. Care Animal Center offers surgical, dental, medical, and pet wellness programs for that furry member of the family. Their website is careanimal.net. Care Animal Center, 3454 West Main Street in Dothan, 334-794-6333. Ridgecrest Baptist Church proudly supports all local athletics. At Ridgecrest, we have many opportunities for all ages, including children, middle school, high school, and college students. I'm Chase Fault, the student pastor, and I want to invite you to see how your family might fit in at Ridgecrest. Learn more on our website at rbcdothan.org. Welcome back to The Sweet Spot, sponsored by Pinch and Penny Pool, Patio, and Spa. As we continue this episode of two of the most highly anticipated matchups of the regular season, definitely up until this point. We talked Auburn-Penn State. Now it's time to talk about Florida and Alabama, the number one Crimson Tide traveling to Gainesville to take on the number 11 Gators. First, you're going to hear from my guy Craig Dempsey representing the Florida Gators, and he and his wife Sarah are actually attending this weekend's matchup in the Swamp. Take a listen to what Craig had to say about this upcoming matchup. Craig, welcome back to the sweet spot, man. How are you doing? Good, brother. Yourself? Doing good, man. Glad to have you back on the show. I know your Gators got a huge matchup this week with number one Alabama. We'll dive into that here a little bit later. But I know you you and your wife, Sarah, attended the very first game where the Gators took on the Owls of Florida Atlantic. And you got a chance to meet the old ball coach, Steve Spurrier, and the athletic director, Scott Strickland, man. Talk about how cool was that? Yeah, we were uh, coming out of a booster club meeting, and uh, sure enough, um, Strickland and Spurrier walked up, and um, I noticed Strickland before I did Spurrier, and, you know, they were both very cordial. Uh, like every time you meet Spurrier, he's very cordial um, and allows you to take pictures with him. And then he brought out uh, – he introduced us to his granddaughter, who was a cheerleader at Florida this year as well. So that was a pretty cool event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know I saw the pictures, and I was wondering myself, I was like, who is this random cheerleader that just hopped in the picture? So that was his granddaughter. Okay. That's his granddaughter, yeah. And then afterwards, we uh, we went to and tested out his, his Steve Spurrier Cafe, and, uh, you know, that was a really, really good treat down in Gainesville. I think if you ever have an opportunity to go down there and eat. Man, that's pretty neat, man. Uh, now, I know that wasn't your first time meeting Meeting those two, uh, what was the first time that you've actually in- encountered both of them? Uh, that's the first time both of them together. Yeah. Uh, Spurrier was two years ago in, in um, South Carolina. I met him once again. I've met him once before in uh, Gainesville probably about eight, nine years ago as well. Um, you know, always a very cordial person every time you run into him. Now, 
You know, Florida started out with that 35-14 win over Florida Atlantic, and then against South Florida last weekend, 42-20. to What, if any, progression did you see from week one to week two? Well, it still looks like a very vanilla offense. Um, like it's just, you know, we're going to win this game just to get by and not yeah. tip our hand on anything, you know, just very – Vanilla, um, you know, you can see a little bit of play calling get in there, but you can also see a lot of players coming in and out. Um, it's the one deep in the roster. Uh, so far, we've we've ran five running backs throughout two games. Yeah, um, you know, so it's you know it's promising from from one point to the next. Who are you excited to see possibly break through from that running back group? Oh, well, of course, you still got Bowman. Bowman is still the dark horse and all of it. Um, you know, they, they've put Lillard, uh, rumor has it, that he's going to get a little bit more running, but I'm still more of a of a right fan. You know, yeah, me a too. He's a guy that mm-hmm. you just put out on the slot and, and go with it. But, you know, and, you know, Davis and and, and Pierce, they, they've, they've just shown out so far. Um, you know, we're one of the top running teams in the nation right now, which is – you know, something we've been lacking the last few years. Yeah. So it's good to have that back. Now, if you're Dan Mullen, are you sticking with Emory Jones or is it time for the big gun AR-15 and Anthony Richardson? What's your thoughts on Richardson thus far and Emory Jones, who's thrown two picks in each of the first two games? Well, it's, you know, Emory's still the quarterback. Yeah. Uh, Dan's still going to coach. Uh, you know, man gets paid six million dollars a year. He's coached Alex Smith. He's coached Tebow. He's coached Leak. You know, it's and he coached Prescott. It's kind of hard to say he doesn't know what he's doing <laughs> when it comes to quarterbacks. You know, because they it's, it's the proof's in the pudding right there. But you know, yeah, Ar is a very electric player. But you know, can he sustain it through the whole game? He's only played a few drives here and there, and. You know, undoubtedly, hopefully when the playbook opens, that Emory will be the man he steps up to be. And, you know, we do it just like we did Leak and Tebow. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's just hard to go with with somebody who has been there and, and, and rode it out with the program and all. So you try, try to give Emory the opportunity. But, you know, what kind of leash do you have him on Saturday? Yeah. Now – what about on the perimeter, man? Um, you know, of course, they lost Kyle Pitts, who went number four to the Falcons. Kadarius Tony, also a first-rounder. I mean, talk about, you know, this year's Florida receiving core. You know, who who's the guys to watch for this year with the Gators? We still got Copeland, you know. His, mm-hmm. uh, that's, what, that's the big thing right now is this is his time to show out. Yep. Because if you remember back, and this week he's going back to all week, if you remember back to his signing day where his mom walked out because he didn't sign yeah. Alabama. Yeah. Now it's his now it's his time. You know, you got Wells finally stepped up. Uh, Rick Wells was nobody had heard of Rick Wells until this year and he's been on the program what seems like about ten years now. And, you know, it's just we our tight ends. We have yet to throw to Gamble, we've yet to throw to Zip, we haven't thrown to Elkins. You know, it's it's time and, and uh Mullins is known for his tight ends, but you know, that's why I say it's a very vanilla offense we've seen so far. Now, going into this matchup against Bama, what concerns you about Florida? Not about Alabama yet. We'll dive into 
what your thoughts on uh, Crimson Tide, but what concerns you about Florida going into this matchup? What is it that you're looking to see more of from this Florida Gator team? Well, it's uh, Ventrell Miller's out. Um, that's, a, that's a big deal in the mm. middle for us. Um, if our cornerback across from uh, Elam is, you know, they, they've got to step up, whether it be Perkins, whether it be Marshall, or, you know, Helms has got to step up because him and Marshall are both true freshmen. But, you know, Helms got eight up last week against South Florida. And, you know, it's just it's just a progression thing um, because Elam's going to do his job back there now. We've got to fill that void because, you know, D-line is very much improved, but it's just that that cornerback across from Elam is the one thing that bothers me. So number one Bama going into number 11 Florida in the swamp, Gainesville, 2.30 on CBS. I know you and your wife Sarah will be in attendance in the swamp on Saturday. Craig, man, tell me your thoughts, man. Give me the prediction who you think wins that game and, and why that team will win well my my whole thought on the game is you know the the, the youth they yeah they experienced last year what it was like to play in the sec but with covid they didn't really get the opportunity of what it was like um the swamp mm-hmm. saturday is going to be ninety four thousand strong nasty um cam bryce young sustained the ninety four thousand strong that's coming because it's one of the loudest stadiums in America. And, you know, if we get a little bit of momentum, we're going to ride the momentum. Um, you know, everybody's writing us off as a 15-point underdog at home in the swamp, and that's that's just unheard of. You know, it, it takes me back, and, you know, I hate to compare the two, but last year when uh, when uh, Knicks, or two years ago when Knicks came into the swamp, yeah. you know, he was supposed to be the real deal, and, you know, he was a young quarterback as well mm-hmm. and just choked under pressure. If if we get out on him in the beginning, then we could we could take this game over. Man, I'm excited. When I first, you know, came across the announcement Florida Bama in a regular season matchup, we've seen them in the SEC championship, but being to play you know, being able to play this game in games like you said, with the ninety four thousand fans in attendance, that place is gonna be rocking. I think that's a big question mark for Alabama as well. As you mentioned, Bryce Young going into the swamp, his first career road start, how does he handle that pressure? We've seen him be composed early on in the first two games, but that was against Miami in the neutral site and against Mercer, so I'm with you, man. I think that's the biggest question for Alabama. How does Bryce Young handle this this Gator in the swamp experience? I think that's going to be something that's going to be huge to watch in the first few possessions for the Crimson Tide team. Craig, man, you and Sarah have a great time in Florida, man. I always appreciate you coming through the sweet spot. Good luck to your Gators, man. And, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe they'll come away with a, with a victory on Saturday evening. All right, brother. Well, I'll talk to you after that victory. All right. Appreciate you, Craig. All right. So you heard from my guy Craig Dempsey talk about his Gators, how he feels the game's going to go, some of his early thoughts in their season thus far. Now you're going to hear from my guy Jeremy Holden, representing the Alabama Crimson Tide. He's from Madison, Alabama. Here's what he had to say about the number one Crimson Tide making their first road game and Bryce Young making his first road start in Gainesville. Jeremy, welcome back to the sweet spot, man. How you been doing? Uh, pretty good, man. Always good to talk to you, Corey. 
You too, man. Uh, we know we got a huge game, a game we normally don't get a chance to see, at least, you know, non-SEC championship-wise. You know, we got number one Alabama going to number 11 Florida in the Swamp in Gainesville, 2.30 on CBS, man. You know, Bama has had two just kind of pretty convincing wins, as we know, beating Miami 44-13, beating Mercer 48-14. to are there any early concerns with this year's Crimson Tide team thus far through two games? Uh, I think the biggest thing, which I guess any team can say, is probably injuries because I've actually uh, been pretty impressed with the defense as a whole. Uh, secondary has been pretty solid to me. I think there's been a couple of uh, questionable pass interference calls. Uh, I'm biased, of course, but I think they were questionable. So overall, I think the defense has been good. Um, pretty much on all levels. Uh, just the injuries, I think, is kind of concerning. Um, offense, you know, it's. Uh, I think people are excited about the offense, but I think it's still plenty of room to grow there. Which, but I'm I'm very pleased with the offense at this point. So, um, like I said, I think the main concern at this point is injuries to me. Yeah, injuries are always tough. You know, that's something that you can't plan for. We, you know, it's going to happen. Yeah. But then when you have those injuries, especially at the same position, you know, Chris Allen, you have Will Anderson, you have some guys that's been banged up here in the first two games. You know, it's kind of concerning and, and, you know, like I said, nothing you can do to prevent it because that's part of the game. Yeah. But, you know, when you have those injuries at the same position, then it can kind of become – like I'm a Steelers fan, so I knew last year we had, you know, Bud Dupree go down. You had uh, Devin Bush go down. You know I mean? Of the four starters, only one finished at the end of the season. So, yeah, having injuries is one thing, but having it at the same position is definitely, uh, you know, troubling for a coaching staff as they get ready to, you know, make that run for another title. Now, you know, Bryce Young, man, this guy has been everything as advertised so far. Four touchdowns in the first game, three in the second game. In your opinion, do you think Bryce Young is the real deal or is the jury still out on that? Um, I do think he's the real deal. I think he still has a lot to prove and, you know, he's going to come up with stiffer competition, but uh, I think, especially in the Miami game, you know, even when they brought pressure, he just so composed back there. It's like he's been doing this on this level for years now. And to me, that's the most impressive thing. It wasn't the, the stats. You know, you of course, you love no turnovers, um, but just how composed and poised he was, even when he was pressured, it was just, uh, you know, Jalen Hurst, I think, has a calmness about him. But it it, just, it was different with Bryce Young. He just seems very comfortable in the pocket, not looking to scramble to run, but looking to uh, just keep the play open to see someone down the field. So I definitely think he's the real deal. Um, I'm not going to overreact and say he's the best to ever come through <laughs> at this point. But uh, I think he has potential um, to, to do some special things just with the start he's already had. Yeah, you speak of that Miami game. That was That's what I was concerned for him – on the emotions and, you know, living up to the hype. They heard, you know, you heard the old, you know, making a million dollars pretty much before he first started and how is he going to live up to that. But in that first game against Miami, as you mentioned, his composure in the pocket, not seen rattled at all. Like, I was really impressed uh, what I saw in his first game. And then, you know, the second game against Mercer as well. This dude is seven touchdowns, zero picks. We know he's getting ready for his first start in the swamp, though. How do you think he's going to fare going against this number 11 Florida Gator team in Gainesville, where we know it's one of the most hostile stadiums 
in the country. How do you feel he's going to fare going up against this Gators team? I think he'll do well, of course. I think it's going to be a lot tougher than the previous two games have been. Um, he's going to be faced with some uh, a lot more adversity, I think. And, uh, you know, we'll ha- have to see how he handles throwing an interception if that comes or uh, a couple bad possessions here and there, how he handles that if he can continue to stay composed doing that. Um, but I actually think they'll lean on the running game a lot more this game because I think uh, Brian Robinson, you know, he's been solid when he's got in, but he's, you know, hadn't got a lot of carries because of the lead. So I think they'll probably lean on that to help him out too. But, you know, I, I'm confident that he'll be uh, solid as he's been. You know, I think it's only natural that he may make a few more mistakes as mm-hmm. the pressure and the intensity gets bigger. And like you say, going into the swamp, um, first big time. Well, I guess Miami was a big time game, but I think that Florida is closer to the level of Alabama than Miami was, to be yeah. honest. Now, have you uh, had any surprises this far as far as like, man, I didn't expect this part of Alabama Crimson Tide football team to play as well as they had. Is there any surprises that's kind of taking you uh, uh, by surprise, I should say, early on? Uh, I wouldn't say too, not too much of a surprise. You know, you you know, you know, were hopeful for the defense coming in. You kept hearing that the defense was going to be uh, up to par this year. So um, the secondary, I think, like I said, I've been very pleased with how they've played. You know, of course – Against Mercy, they gave up the two touchdowns, and that didn't look good. But I think I'm basing mine more off Miami. I think with the Mercy game, you know, when, once the second string comes in and then just that opponent, you're not going to have the same level of intensity as you would for Miami or the Florida game. So, you know, I've been pleasantly surprised with the secondary, which I think coming in, you know, I heard some talk about that. But I think uh, more of a disappointing surprise, man, I was looking forward to LeBron Ray playing, mm-hmm. you know, this year. and. The fact that he hadn't got, you know, too much action, I guess, still dealing with some injuries. So I've, that's been a, a negative surprise for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I mentioned him and, you know, the first kind of opening episode for college football. And, you know, like I said, there was kind of expectations to see what he could do, see uh, his opportunity to be out there on the field. And so, uh, yeah, I'm with you on that. LeBron Ray is somebody that we was, you know, hoping to see him out there contributing in high level and getting a chance to actually contribute for this year's Crimson Tide team. But, uh, you know, as the Crimson Tide get ready to go to Florida, is there anything that concerns you about the Gators? I mean, not Bama's side, but from the Gators standpoint, anything that concerns you uh, from Florida that you've seen in their first two games? And, man, to be honest, I hadn't watched a whole lot of Florida. You know, I've seen the highlights, and I know, of course, you know, Emory Jones from previous years, but uh, the other quarterback, Richardson, just to talk about him, it looks like the way he can run and I guess possibly throw. I, I You know, I think everybody's uh, hype about how he's thrown last game, but I think it's going to be a lot tougher to ask him to do that against the Alabama defense. You know, it's his first big game really against a, a defense on a team of this caliber. So, um, of course, the quarterback play is going to be the big deal with both having two mobile quarterbacks and then potentially being able to throw it as well. So I think that's the one thing going to the game you're going to be definitely concerned about or, or I guess, focused on making sure you can uh, slow those quarterbacks down because they're also playing two quarterbacks. So you're having to prepare your team for Mm -hmm. two different quarterbacks, although they both, you know, run a little bit, throw a little bit. So it's not – 
as big of a deal, but they are still two different individuals. So you have to keep eye on who's in the game, uh, what you expect from that quarterback when he's in. So, of course, that's going to be the main concern, in my opinion. So number one, Alabama at number 11, Florida. Jeremy, who do you have winning the game, man, and why? Um, like I said, I definitely think Alabama win. Um, and as I said earlier, I hadn't watched a lot of Florida, but just based on how I've seen Alabama perform, you know, I just think that they just have a, a complete team. There's not a lot of weak spots on the team. Um, so I think they'll get the ball, uh, get the game going with the run, and then it'll open up some of the passing lanes for uh, Young to to do his thing as well. So I think the defense, uh, they'll give up some points, but I think they'll hold tight for the most part. So uh, uh, I think it'll be a comfortable win. I, I wouldn't say a blowout, but I think it'll be a fairly comfortable win by Alabama. Now we say comfortable. Is that two touchdown, three touchdown? What's comfortable in your opinion? <laughs> I think uh, I believe it'll be a touchdown on the field goal somewhere around that range. Okay. All right. So, yeah, not quite three touchdowns, but yeah. it'll be close right under there. All right. So, 230 on CBS, number one Alabama Crimson Tide taking on the number 11 Florida Gators. You've been listening to my guy Jeremy Holden from Madison, Alabama. Jeremy, always glad to have you on the show, man, and uh, good luck to your Crimson Tide this weekend. Thanks, Corey. Thanks for having me. So, there you have it, my guys, Jeremy Holden and Craig Dempsey sharing their takes on the Alabama-Florida game this weekend. And for me personally, my prediction, you know, when I look, obviously it's always tough to go against Alabama anytime they play. But going into the swamp, going into Gainesville, as Jeremy mentioned, as as Craig mentioned as well, Bryce Young making his first career road start. Like, it's a different beast going into Gainesville. Like, he hasn't experienced that level of intensity and that uh, – atmosphere that he's going to have to go through in the swamp like that's one of the toughest places to play in all of the country all of the nation so um i really do believe that's going to be a challenge for him early and often and the sooner he can finally kind of get his footing get his rhythm and maybe you know settle that crowd down the better for he and that alabama crimson tide offense now for florida on the flip side his counterpart Emory Jones, you know, I have had a chance to see him over the last couple seasons. Not really thrilled of what I've seen to this point. I mean, those of you who know me understand how much I love Kyle Trask. And, you know, it bothered me anytime Mullen would take Trask out and put in Emory Jones. Like, the offense would be moving just fine. And then he would bring in Emory Jones, and I feel like sometimes it would just – mess up the rhythm and and the offense will stall but uh now is Emory Jones chance to shine and me personally I haven't seen enough to believe that he can beat an Alabama Crimson Tide team a team of this caliber now he is at home he will have a solid defense behind him we expect uh that running game will need to help him out a whole lot but there's going to come a time where he has to make passes he has to make certain plays and not turn the ball over like he's done in the first two games. Two interceptions against Florida Atlantic. Two interceptions against South Florida. So when you look at the two teams, I think the the advantage in the quarterback play is heavily swung in Alabama's favor. And just for that reason alone, and like I mentioned, 
Emory Jones turned the ball over against Florida Atlantic and South Florida. Well, this Alabama defense is is no South Florida Bull. It's no Florida Atlantic Owl. So I'm going with Alabama to win this game 34-13. to uh, Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's a much closer game. But we shall see. But that's what I'm rolling with in that matchup. Alabama over Florida, 34-13. to Now, in the Auburn-Penn State matchup, this is a game where I think if Auburn can come out early, you know, anytime you're on the road, you, you want to take the crowd out of it early. If they can do that, I believe that would give them so much momentum that they would be able to carry that at least to the first half. Because uh, regardless of how quick you start, that, that crowd is going to get back into it. I mean, Penn State, they're going to make plays to keep it a close game. Like, both teams have really good defenses. Both teams want to rely on their running game. Noah Kane from Penn State. Of course, Auburn has Tank Bixby leading the way in their backfield. But it's going to come down similar to, like I said, with Alabama-Florida. Which quarterback makes the least mistakes? Which quarterback does just enough because Bo Nix isn't great. Sean Clifford isn't great, but they're they're solid enough. And behind a solid defense, they just can't lose the game. So, you know, it's cliche, okay, which team doesn't make turnovers, which team doesn't have silly penalties. All that stuff is cliche, but this is the type of game where it's actually true because you have two teams who want to play a similar style type of ball, run the ball, play action. We're going to play great defense behind it, and this is what's going to keep us in the game. And I believe that's going to be the bread and butter for both teams that leads to a very close ending and outcome. I'm going with the Tigers to win this game 24-17. to I think three touchdowns and a field goal will be enough. I don't I don't trust Sean Clifford. I believe there's mistakes waiting to happen against this Auburn defense, and the Tigers will just have to capitalize. But I'm going with Auburn to win this game, put the SEC and the rest of the country on notice that Brian Harson has arrived. These guys on his roster are fully behind him and that they are – playing their guts out, playing their hearts out because of who he is as a coach and the staff that they've surrounded these players with that you've already seen how much they appreciate Coach Harson. I mean, I even go back to the Akron game. It's it's Akron. It's the first game. You beat Akron 60-10, to 10, but then here's Smoke Monday and Zacoby McClain dousing Coach Harson like they just won a national championship. You know, I think that right there really opened my eyes and showed how much this coaching staff has made a early impact and influence on the players that are on the planes at this time. So remember what I said, Auburn 24-17 over Penn State. Alabama will beat Florida 34-13. And, you know, I'll be glued to the TV set all day on Saturday. Uh, you know, I could be wrong, but those are my predictions. We shall see. That's the beauty of college football. It's the beauty of sport. Everybody has their opinions. Everybody has their own guesses. And uh, we'll see exactly how it plays out. For more content, subscribe to Corey Bradley Sports. Once you search Corey Bradley Sports, you will see the Sweet Spot logo. And after you subscribe, you will receive notification anytime new content is uploaded. 
The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Google Podcasts as well. And always remember, there's nothing better than being in the sweet spot.